Welcome to another episode of Civic Cypher. I'm your host, Ramses Ja. He is Ramses Ja. I am Q Ward. And you guys are now tuned in to Civic Cypher. Hashtag Cypher Life. Let's get to it. Um, stick around. We got a lot of show in store for you this week. Um, we're going to spend the first part of the show talking about news. Uh you know, for those that listen regularly, you you might hear a constant complaint that we have that we often don't have enough show for the news that we have to cover. Um, this is something that Q has said uh, consistently on the show since we started doing it. And so uh, while we're not going to be able to cover all of the goings on, um, there's certainly some notable stories in the news this week. So we're going to spend a little bit of time about each of them. Uh, our final story is going to kind of give us a precursor into the second half of the show where we're going to be examining a report from the University of Michigan Law School detailing race and wrongful convictions in the United States uh, as of 2022. This is something we've been wanting to get to. And so it's a perfect opportunity to get into that and peel back some layers there. So that'll be the second half of the show. Um on top of that, uh, we are going to be talking about uh, the Black Codes um, for our Way Black History Fact. And uh, some of you may be familiar with Black Codes, but I don't believe that we've covered the Black Codes in depth on this show just yet. And in short, uh, just so you know, it's worth sticking around. Black Codes are basically bogus laws that were, I guess they were valid, but they're, you know, me- mean-spirited laws and and uh they were enacted to they were actual laws. actual that's the word i don't know if valid is the right word yeah, but they were actual laws was definitely the right in, word intended to imprison black people after slavery to continue to get free labor out of them so we'll stick around for that but first and foremost i think it's time for some ebony excellence shall we we shall um i like this one Uh, This is another story that we wanted to cover. So uh, this one comes from Essence Magazine and it's sponsored by Hip Hop Weekly Media. So I'll read. The Yale School of Public Health recently honored a nine-year-old black girl from New Jersey for her efforts to help curb the presence of an invasive species known as the spotted lanternfly in her hometown of Caldwell. Bobby Wilson was awarded the title of donor scientist after donating her personal lanternfly collection to Yale's Peabody Museum of Natural History. According to the university, the collection is available for public viewing in the museum's database. Bobby created a TikTok-inspired insect repellent out of dishwater, soap, and apple cider vinegar after learning about the bugs that ecologists have urged the public to squash on site. The fourth grader, affectionately known as Bobby Wonder, among her family and friends, was spraying the lanternflies that she saw near her home last October when she was approached by a police officer and questioned. The encounter that Bobby had with the police officer was due to the fact that her neighbor and former town council member, uh, Gordon Losh, uh, I believe that's how I pronounce that, called to make a report about seeing a suspicious person. There's a little black woman walking, spraying stuff on sidewalks and trees on Elizabeth and Florence. I don't know what the blank she's doing. Scares me, though. Lashi said to dispatchers, according to footage obtained by CNN. Uh, Ijoma 
Opara, I believe that's how I say that, who is an assistant professor of public health at Yale, invited Bobby and her family to the school to meet other black female scientists and tour the university shortly after the incident. Quote, the whole science community got together and said, she's one of us. We're not going to let her lose steam for STEM. We're going to support the family and we're going to support this girl, she said. So, again, uh, shout out to Yale and uh, shout out to little Bobby being an example of ebony excellence. Now, that's not the only thing in the news, but that certainly is one of the brighter things we'll be talking about. Um, first and foremost, I do want to take a moment, and before we get into the stories that we actually have um, earmarked for today, I do want to uh, mention that um, at the last minute, some additional information came out about... Um, the shooting, the, the, the shooting in Michigan, the college. And, um, it just, it just didn't time out right for us to include all that, um, and do it justice. But, you know, we did see the, the three victims. Uh, we record the show before you hear it. That's just kind of the way syndication works. So we're not keeping secrets here. Um, and, uh, that was heartbreaking to, to see the students that lost their lives. Um, and, uh, there, we just need, we need to get a little bit more before we're able to cover that and do it justice. But I, I don't want you to think that that's not something that made its way to us. So um, when the time is right and when we can do it justice, if we can do it justice, we certainly will cover that. Uh, that was tough though, to see, see those, um, to me, they're children, mm -hmm. you know, so, um, and then they're writing the articles. She was this, he was that it's like very sad. Uh, cause the, the photos, you know, they seem, I don't know, weird moment. But, so, um, let's pivot to a separate weird moment. Um, this story comes from binnews.com. Uh, Peyton Gendron, the uh, shooter who killed 10 black people at the Topps supermarket in Buffalo, New York last year, has been sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole per CBS News. Um, so you, some of you may remember us covering this story. This was very heavy for all of us. Um, but Civic Cipher had existed long before that shooting had mm -hmm. taken place. Mm -hmm. And obviously we're still here now. And so this was kind of a, a thing where all eyes were on us at a time when we were processing this. I, I, I want to share something. It's very difficult. Well, I don't want to say, I, I got to make sure I say this right. I believe that we process these stories a bit differently than we used to. Hmm. Um, um, I, and, and I'm, I'm speaking for you, but it's because I've known you for forever. So uh, follow me here. Uh, there's sad and then there's sad coupled with a responsibility to not succumb to 
your emotions, a, a, a responsibility to be um, coherent and to process every single detail. We cannot look away because we now have a responsibility to help other people through these things in a way that we didn't before. Um, once upon a time when we were doing our regular radio show, uh, we could, you know, mention things like this and, you know, thoughts and prayers, that sort of thing, and then get right back to the, the latest Cardi B record or, you know, hit some little baby or whatever we were doing in the studio. Um, and now these stories, we, we realize this is kind of everyone's looking at us to give it context and to give it perspective and, where we could normally <clears throat> have our moments in private, I guess, and put on a, a, a brave face and then share 30 seconds with our listeners. You know, when something like this happened in, in uh, upstate New York, we're like, okay, we're going to have to talk about this for like 15 minutes. This isn't a 30 second clip. Um, we're we're going to have to go through every detail of it. We're going to have to. I remember this one. Remember, we had to read the things that that guy wrote on that gun, and we had to kind of articulate for folks who, uh, it, we were like reporters almost. You know, we have to articulate the hatred, perhaps the source of the hatred, uh, and 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 even deeper sources than that. You know, we're, we're now we're looking at online chat rooms and doing research and there's communities of people who wake up early to just share hatred about us, you know, and it's just a different, it's a different thing now doing this show than it was ever in my life. And, and I'm, I, I'm speaking for you because I know that, uh, we take turns watching the videos lately. We haven't been taking turns because we had to watch the Tyree Nichols video together at the same time and uh, go ahead it seems like you it's different and um it's different in multiple ways around it's yeah like it's there used to be a shock to seeing things like this and i'm very uncomfortable with the idea that it's become something that we're unfortunately getting used to it never stops making me upset it never stops making me angry it never stops breaking my heart but before i press play now my heart and my mind kind of brace for what they know is coming rather than being jarred and caught off guard um the responsibility to our listeners and to our culture for doing this show weighs heavy uh, I think in the, in the wake of Tyree Nichols, you and I were talking about how difficult that was for me, more so than really all of the other videos that we've seen, because the nature of the stop being fraudulent, the the fact that the kid actually didn't do anything, and not that he didn't do anything worth dying for, but he didn't do anything at all. Like even the stop itself had no basis. He didn't run a red light. He didn't get over without signaling. He didn't. You know, he wasn't reckless driving. He wasn't drunk. He wasn't under the influence. He, how they would usually find all of the things this person has done wrong to put in front of you and make them less human and less worthy of your empathy and less worthy of your sorrow and really less worthy of your outrage. In this case, they couldn't even do that. Even in the wake of 
his family putting out videos of him skateboarding and, you know, photos of him helping people. And there's a picture of him handing something to a little girl who I'm not even sure he knew he was just being kind. Usually to combat that, someone would try to give you the other side of it. Right. In the past, we've seen Candace Owen go out of her way to, to dehumanize someone. Humanize, so that, yeah. You know what I mean? So that you won't feel sorry for them. Even people like her couldn't find things to make up about this kid. And that was the thing that I think troubled me the most when I was driving home and a cop got behind me and I got tense and started sweating and my heart started beating and I started feeling yeah, I anxious that. and had to take the next day off of work because I was so upset and so uncomfortable. Um, so there's, yes, it's way different watching these videos now than it was before, but it's, that's not singular. It's different in a, a spider web of different ways. Sure. Um, well, I yeah, think, man, it's, it's, it's been tough. Yeah. And I think that's, that's kind of what I'm trying to say. Um, you obviously are more articulate than I am. So I appreciate that, but you know, where we end up is, you know, seeing this thing unfold, we know that the best case scenario is that, because remember, he was taken in alive. We, I think we did a whole show dedicated to that one singular element of this, that that shooter was taken in alive, right? Um, the best case scenario, the best possible outcome is that everybody gets a nice funeral and this guy is, you know, goes to prison forever. Right. And it feels hollow, but it's, it doesn't even feel like enough to say it's not nothing. It's what happened. So I'll finish reading this news story because we have a duty to inform you. And these stories don't often, we haven't been able to cover things like this just because mm -hmm. there's been so many, so much death and strange behavior but um i'll continue reading uh here's a quote from the judge uh she says there can be no mercy for you no understanding no second chances uh, her name is judge susan egan uh, and she said this as she delivered the sentence during a court hearing on february 15th she goes on to say the damage you have caused is too great and the people you have hurt are too valuable to this community i appreciated her saying that hmm. um that is akin to saying black lives matter you know the people are too valuable to this community so you know uh she goes on to say you will never see the light of day as a free man ever again um and so i i you got to be careful with stuff like this because i don't want to say that that's good um, and of course, I don't want to say that it's bad. It's just what happened. And so this is the outcome that this is the best case scenario. I yeah, guess. And I think what you're trying not to do is make it feel like a celebratory moment sure, for something you. that's this, you know, kind of vile. But it's not a celebration of this man's life being turned into uh, perpetual uh, captivity as much as it is the idea of there being a such thing as justice. And at the very least, if there's no justice, there's accountability here. When we've seen so many cases where there's not. Well, let me, let me tell you what would feel 
better than this. I know this is wishful thinking. I know this is pie in the sky. But what would feel better than this is if the powers that be, our elected officials, the billionaires that, you know, have these little pockets of the Internet that they own and control or whatever. If those people shut down these cesspools where these types of individuals can, you know, uh, network and, and share ideas, these real extreme, hateful white supremacists, um, where they're compelled by each other to get out there and get the high score, mm-hmm. meaning get out there and shoot the most number of people. And these guys are often... Uh, as the term is called incels, involuntarily celibate. Uh, and in, I mean, I, I, we know that I think it's like 40% of men never father children, right? Um, these guys are often those types, um, but they don't have access to women. Really nothing, nothing about their lives they feel is, uh, it, it, they don't feel like any part of their lives makes them happy. So they are, in my belief, often suicidal, you know, and in that last minute when that adrenal is pumping, some will surrender, some will take their own lives. We saw that in Michigan Mm -hmm. uh, this past week. And, uh, you know, some of them will, you know, surrender and go to prison and just be there and be celebrated in prison as whatever, uh, a neo-Nazi or, you know, Aryan, whatever, They'll, they'll have their status in in the prison with the Aryan brotherhood or whatever it's called in prison. So not having access to women is not a, like a deal breaker for these guys. So these communities on the internet continue to breed these hateful people and point their hatred in the direction of black people, brown people. We saw that in uh, El Paso at the, at the Walmart and the country as a whole, you know, is really, upset with mexico for no reason but, mm, it's, know, it's think, not for no reason right it's some imaginary, imaginary two, they, reason. yeah they've yeah. had reasons created and taught to them so sure. they think that they're fully justified in their fears and their fake concerns for this monster that's coming to get us exactly. that doesn't exist so what i would have liked to see is a crackdown on that type of terrorism let's be honest that's what it is and not just this one individual being sentenced but this is news and our job is to, you know, cover stories like this so that, you know, we're not leaving everything on the, you know, the cutting room floor every single week. So that happened. Um, moving on. Uh, this also comes from the Black Information Network. Six North Carolina officers have been put on leave after a video showed the deadly tasing of a black man who complained of heart problems. 32-year-old Daryl Tyree Williams died in a Raleigh hospital on January 17th after police tased him multiple times during an attempted arrest for alleged drug possession, per the New York Post. In the newly released footage, Williams can be heard questioning why he is being arrested. Officers told Williams that if he didn't put his hands behind his back, they would use a taser. Police ultimately tased Williams three times, despite his pleas for them to stop due to his heart problems and um that one is another one that is really sad uh, because i think that i'm starting to 
appreciate the fact that tasers aren't strictly speaking uh non-lethal uh you know people get shot and survive you know I getting mean, shot there, there are a lot of things that have non-lethal intentions that can kill you you can drink too much water and die you know what i mean like fair it's, point. it's it's that these things are being used in excess yeah and they're, they're and 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 scapegoated and these guys are, are they're yelling taser they're yelling stop resisting they yell all these things out loud to teach you how to feel well see he yelled taser he you know he wasn't trying to well if he tased him a hundred times you know or for 10 20 minutes or whatever you know there there is a limit to which you can do anything and it can be harmful mm -hmm. so all these billions of dollars that are being spent on training <laughs> i'm sure someone knows that yeah and they you know they cross that line anyway in most cases with impunity and you know thus the cycle that has us you know, all these years, years later, still covering the same stories. Sure. The names are just different. You know, um, over the uh, last weekend, um, we we so we're we live in Arizona, so we have the Super Bowl here in Phoenix, and uh, it's a lot of moving around. Mm -hmm. And you may not know, but I have a couple nightclubs here in in downtown Phoenix. And there were some people, I'm not sure if they were from my club or just in the entertainment district there, um, but uh, I was walking in an alley behind my business and um, was headed inside and uh, I heard the sound of a taser uh, from like a security guard. There was like some commotion. I couldn't see it, but I heard the sound of a taser and then I heard a woman screaming, like a blood curdling scream. And then... Uh, I believe it was her that was getting tased. She got tased two more times. Mm -hmm. And uh, the scream, again, I didn't see who was tasing. I didn't see who was who was being tased. I didn't see that just because there was a wall there, but I could just hear it over the top of the wall. But um, that let me know that those things are intense. I never heard somebody scream like that, like screaming in pain. So yeah, I've, I've never come face to face with a taser. Fortunately, but you know the, the 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 fact that people are dying consistently, um, that people are dying asking what they did wrong, <laughs> and people are dying because uh, of the overuse of you know taser. Indeed, any police tactic, you know, you can overuse the you know the the chokehold, you can overuse the 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 punch, you can overuse the gun, you can overuse any of this stuff. The point is, is that this police violence leads to death often enough it's black and brown people and again now we have to talk to you about the now deceased 32 year old daryl tyree williams so that happened as well forgive us for not going into more detail but we have to move on um this is going to be a precursor into the next part of the show so we're just going to kind of read this and leave you with it um this also comes from the black information network uh, a missouri man who spent the last 27 years in prison for murder walked free on February 14th, after a judge declared his innocence and vacated his convictions per CNN, Lamar Johnson was sentenced in 1995. Whew, dang, that was when California Love came out. To life in prison without parole in connection to the death of Marcus Boyd. Police said Johnson and another man, Philip Campbell, fatally shot Boyd. Last year, St. Louis Circuit Attorney Kimberly Gardner 
filed a motion for a new hearing, arguing that Johnson's murder conviction was based on false eyewitness testimony and misconduct, sounds familiar, by investigators and prosecutors. Johnson was granted the hearing, and on Tuesday, Missouri Circuit Court Judge David Mason said his initial uh, trial included constitutional error as he vacated the murder conviction. Quote, there is clear and convincing evidence of Lamar Johnson's actual innocence, Mason ruled. Gardner's request to vacate Johnson's conviction Johnson's conviction came after James Elking, the sole eyewitness of the initial trial, recanted. Another man, James Howard, also testified in December that he and Campbell, who has since died, shot Boyd over a drug dispute. According to Mason's ruling, Johnson had an alibi on the night of Boyd's murder and no physical evidence linked him to the killing. And so um, I know that you probably get your news from whatever news sources you get it from. And we appreciate you taking a little bit extra time to get your news from us as well. But suffice it to say that this is pretty big deal in black news circles. And so we thought that we would mention it and that would give us an excellent opportunity to discuss what we're going to discuss next.